Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Um, today, I mean, last weekend, we had a phenomenal weekend. Anyone agree? Say amen. It was Easter. We had a, a packed house here, a weekend of services. But I told you last week that I am equally excited about every opportunity that we get to meet as the church. And I don't know if you feel the same way, but it's important that you know I feel that way. And so last weekend maybe was a highlight or a special time. Maybe some people only go to church on Easter and Christmas. I'm not judging anyone, but for me, every time we gather as His church, the church, is an opportunity for God to show up in a new way. Can you say amen if you believe that? And today, with God's help, I want to talk about the, the subject of healing. And the title of the message today is Christ the Healer. Christ the Healer. And he, at Weston Road, I want you to know that we believe in divine healing. We believe that we can pray for sick people and see them well again, see them healed. And that we serve a God of miracles. And I don't know if this is a message that is still preached in the church today, but I'm committed to preaching the full counsel of God's Word. Amen. A few people are excited about that. But we believe what God's Word says, and so my responsibility is to make sure I preach His Word, not my opinion. So today, I'm not here to share my opinion, although I have some, some experiences that I've witnessed or been a part of um, on both ends of the spectrum. I've been in a service when I was in Bible school on the drums, and I was playing. There was a, a young lady, a mom of two or three, I think she had two kids, um, who had a neurological disease. And she said, I was never able to wear high heels and never able to jump, and she had a leg brace. And in that service, she, she, had, she was walking up on the stage with her brace in her hand, and she chucked it off the stage, like she whipped it. I thought she was going to hit some people in the front row. And then she began to jump on the stage, something that she said, I've never been able to do before. And uh, she said also she was never able to buy high heels. And so our, our president of the Bible college said, go to whatever store you want, buy yourself your first pair of high heels, and send the receipt to the school because we want to bless you that way. And sure enough, the testimony came back and she had the picture and she said, here's me wearing the high heels. And that's a testimony of God's faithfulness to His Word and to who He is. He says He is the healer. It's not something that He only does, but it's who He is. So you can't separate God and healing. It's who He is. It's part of who He is. And so today, I've also been on the other side where I've laid my hands on people and then a few months later, they, they're dead. The cancer ate their body. My grandmother being one of them last year. You see, as my wife was in the hospital giving birth to Nathan on October, uh, August 25th, my grandmother on the same day was in a hospital in Montreal taking her last breath while Nathan took his first. And I remember I was there in April with my grandmother in the hospital and I laid my hands on her and I prayed with my grandfather the prayer of faith knowing that God's Word says that 
it will heal someone. And, but it doesn't happen or didn't happen in that case. And this morning, I'm, the message is centered in Acts chapter 3. And it's a story where Peter and John are on their way to the temple. And we're going to read it there for a sec. But before we get there for a second, I just want to say this. Why are some people healed and others not? And I want to just set you free from wondering. It's not up to us. And I can't even give you a good answer for it. All I know is what God's Word says and what God's Word instructs us as believers to do. And I leave everything else up to God. And in Acts chapter 3, this is actually what happens. And we see an incredible, miraculous healing take, take place. And everyone is amazed and staring at Peter and John. But I love how they correct it. And I'm not going to tell you how they do it because we're going to read it now. Uh, but before I do that, I have a book that I want to give away. And it's called Christ the Healer. This is where I borrowed the title of the message from. And it's a book that I read and I have to reread every now and again because our theology sometimes could get watered down. We say, well, I haven't seen someone healed in a long time. You know, it's, it's not commonplace anyways. And our, our thoughts about it can change. But I want you to know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he's still Christ the healer. And I'm going to ask Warren to run up here. Not run. You're young. You can run. Because I want to give this to you. Come, run. <laughs> there you go. And I want you to know, Warren is a young man. He's in our young adult ministry. He's sometimes the guy you'll see outside holding signs, welcoming anyone, one and all, to church. Um, but I know your family has walked through some very trying times with your dad and uh, is he here today because I saw him last weekend but um and I've been over to their house prayed over Rama and and I remember I saw him last week on Easter weekend and he looked amazing and he's doing well but I know that God has put in you a desire to pray to anoint with oil and to believe and so I want you to read the book and I believe that you'll be blessed and I believe that God will use you in a special way uh, as you trust in Him as the healer. So God bless you. Enjoy it. By the way, you can buy the book too. If you're like, oh, why didn't He give it to me? Uh, just search Christ the Healer and you can find it. Uh, there's also another one by T.L. Osborne called Healing the Sick, which I highly recommend. Why are books important? Maybe you're saying, I'm not a reader. Neither am I, to be honest. Except I, I really have to do this one. But the reason why books and reading books are important is because, let's just say, let's estimate someone has 50 years of ministry experience on praying for the sick. I can read in one book 50 years worth of wisdom. In one book. Maybe, you know, if you're a slow reader like me, you start two chapters and then you continue the year after. Uh, but let's be real. But oh, let's just say it takes me a year to get through one book. It took me only a year where I gained 50 years worth of wisdom in the one book. This is why it is important to be a reader. I struggle with it, to be honest. I much more rather play music and, and play actual instruments. But reading 
is important. And if you have no desire to read, let me give you one desire. Read this book. If you're going to decide to read one book, don't pick up a book written by someone who's writing about the Bible. I'd rather you read the Bible and let God and His Holy Spirit speak to you. Amen. So Christ the healer. If you have your Bible, turn to uh, Acts chapter 3. And we're going to take it up right here. Acts chapter 3. And would you stand for the reading of God's Word? Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. We'll have it on the screen as well. And I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. And each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The layman looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankle bones were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Sol Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And verse 12, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this, and why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? And then we'll jump to verse 16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed, and you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Would you join me as we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your word. Father, I thank you that your word says about itself that it is living and active. And it cuts through all the noise in our life. And it gets to the core of who we are. And this morning, Lord, I also think of the scripture which says your word will never return void. But it will always accomplish that which you set it out for. And this morning, Lord, whoever needs to hear this message, maybe someone is here who needs healing whether it's physical or emotional, Lord, you are more than able. And I thank you that it is your will that we would be healed. And Lord, now I just simply ask for your anointing to come upon me in a fresh way. Anoint my mind, my mouth, and my heart that I might speak your word in its authority that it, it, you've already given it. I ask you all this now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated today. So, on the subject of healing, it's important to know that it is God's will for you to be healed. See, Jesus didn't take the stripes on his back for you to be sick your whole life. The word doesn't say that. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. 
So this is telling us from God's perspective, I sent my son, he bore the, the price. So when I look at the cross, I see forgiveness of sin, but, but I also have to see the healing power that comes through Jesus' death, burial, and then resurrection. And in Luke 5, verse 12, the man says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean or healed. And Jesus responded to him. He had a leprosy, and he said, I am willing, telling you that Jesus' will was for people to be healed as well. And Scripture shows us that Jesus' ministry was threefold. It's not hard. It's very simple. Preaching, teaching, and healing. Everywhere he went, this is what Jesus was doing. He was preaching. He was teaching people. And then he would heal. And oftentimes, except for in his hometown, where it said that he could perform very few miracles, everywhere he went, it's recorded in Scripture that he healed everybody who was sick and cast out demons. And this is Jesus' earthly ministry. This is a glimpse of it. And in Luke 6, 18 to 19, it says this. I want to talk about Jesus before we can talk about Peter and John. This is why it's important. Luke 6, 18 and 19 says this. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him. And he healed all. Or he healed everyone. And this is what Jesus did. This was his ministry. And as you read through the Gospels, you understand that Jesus was teaching and instructing the disciples so that they can go and do not just the same works, but Jesus described it as even greater works shall you do. Now, it's, it seems like, wow, that's, that's pretty intense. If Jesus healed all, what was it going to look like for the disciples? And here's our instance our first encounter of what Jesus had told them, get ready, I'm going to use you. And I want you to know that as the church today, you have access to the same power and you have authority in the same name. And that name is Jesus, the name above all names. And so I believe as much as ever that this is a message for the church today, that we are to be God's hands and feet still extending to the four corners of the world. And so we get to our story, Acts chapter 3. It's an ordinary day, verse 1 tells us. They're, they're just going to the temple. It also lets us know that it's the time of prayer, the 3 p.m., 3 o'clock. Did you know that we have a time of prayer that we meet on Sundays? 10.30 a.m. And here's what I want to say to you. I just want to encourage you, don't be late for church. Don't be late. Spencer said, if he dwells in the praises of his people, he shows up. So don't... If God's showing up during worship, you should show up too. It starts at 10.30, and they were showing up at 3 p.m. for the regular time of prayer. It was an ordinary day, but I want you to know and realize that something extraordinary was about to happen. Sunday at 10.30 might seem ordinary and regular. Maybe you don't even pay attention to 10.30 because it's a little later, but I want you to know that it might be your time. And it might be between 10.30 and 11 during worship where, where the Holy Spirit will break out. And you don't know. And you can't decide when God chooses. So what I want to say is be present. Show up. Don't, don't miss it. Let us be eager. And let us come with expectation. 
expectation. Why is expectation important? If I just show up to do it, I'm probably going to, I'm just going to clock in and clock out. When I come with an expectation, it's been said, expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. So I come at 1030 with expectation that, Lord, if you don't move, I don't know if I'll make it through Monday. I, work might be hard. If you don't show up today, I don't know if I could make it to tonight. And some of you might feel and might be in that state. It's not maybe physically in your body, but it's here or in your heart. And you need God to show up. And I would say to you, come with expectation into His house. And then the second thing is faith. Come with faith. And all you need is a measure. And the Bible says, each, to each has been given a measure of faith. To each has been what? Given a measure of faith. Some might have a lot more faith than others. My wife tells me, Jonathan, you have a measure of faith that's greater than mine. Because she says, you say things that I don't even understand, and you just believe it, and somehow God starts to do it. And I said, I don't understand it either. I just know that I have to begin speaking out in faith what I feel on the inside. And so sometimes you might not feel like it's happening, but to each has been given a measure of faith. And the Bible also says if you have faith, even the size of a mustard seed, which is from my understanding, I'm not a gardener or I don't play around with seeds all day, but it's a very tiny seed. So even if this is how much faith you have even today, that it's enough, that you could speak to the mountains in your way, be removed, and they shall be. And so you don't have to have great faith. You just have to show up with your measure of faith. And my prayer and my hope is that your faith might start here, but it'll grow. You hear me share a story about that, that young mom who was healed, and your faith from here now is here. And it grows step by step, and you just allow God to walk you down that path. But come with expectation. Come with faith. But you see, it's an ordinary day, and they're showing up, and it's 3 p.m. God can show up at any moment, but there's something special that's about to happen. So I want to say this. Don't underestimate what God wants to do here in the gathered church. Don't underestimate what God wants to do here in the gathered church, what we do on Sundays. My prayer, and we wrote it right here. Someone wrote it with an arrow. Signs and wonders here. You might be saying, what do you mean here? I just see carpet tile. Well, we held an event back in September. I think it was September 27th because I'm weird like that. I remember dates. And right here on the carpet, we brought like Sharpies. We invited the, everyone who's participating in the overflow campaign to come. And we would write statements of faith and declarations that we're believing for. Salvation. We wrote names of people. And every time we gather as the church, that we would be standing on the promises of God. Anyone remember? Say amen. And I remember writing right here because I know this is usually where I stand and preach from. And I wrote, Lord, your word never returns void, but it always accomplishes that which you set it out to accomplish. So I know that every time I'm preaching, I'm standing on the promise of his word, that God is faithful. It's not my word. It's whose word? It's his word. God is faithful to his word. And it says in the word that God is not a man that he should lie. It also says, who am I, Lord, that you are mindful of me? 
And this is who God is. He cares about the little details, the nitty-gritty stuff in your life. And Jesus, our Christ, is still the healer. And so it's an ordinary day. Don't underestimate what we, what we do here when we gather on Sundays. Because God is, is ready. I believe it's his, if it's His will, He's willing to show up to do things that we've never seen Him do before. Signs and wonders, miracles, healings, testimony after testimony. And this is what I believe and I'm praying and I speak out over our church. And in verse 2, we are introduced to a man who's been lame since birth. Since birth. This man has never walked a day in his life. He's been lame since birth. And the Bible tells us that each day, people would bring him and put him beside the gate called Beautiful. And it's, it's believed that this gate was made of brass. You could imagine the, the grandeur of this gate or the beauty of it even. But the sharp contrast to this lame man who's begging for alms. He's begging for a donation. And here he is. And what, the, what a contrast. The gate called Beautiful and, and a man who's been lame since birth who's there begging for money. And people would have passed by him many times, not just once, but over and over and over again. And you might be here desiring healing in your body, and you've showed up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and nothing's changed. For this man, it was a similar feeling, probably. And get this, if he's been lame since birth, it's a good chance that Jesus even walked by him many a times. And we all know the testimony of Jesus. What was his ministry? We said it. Preaching and teaching and healing. So word gets around. That's why others were shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. Meaning, Jesus, come, I need you, heal me. And here's a man who maybe heard all of these reports, all of these testimonies, but day after day after day after day, he's still sick, unable to walk, still begging for money. And even Jesus would have walked by him. Would you still have faith to believe that God can do what he says he can do? No? Talk to me today. Yes. Yes, this is why faith is an important element or aspect of healing. Because faith is not natural and it's not logical. Faith is above and beyond all of that. It's, it's the same faith you use to be saved. It's I believe and I confess. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth. Faith works the same way for healing. I believe in my heart, God, that you can do it. And you can do what you said you can do. And now I, I act it out. I speak it out in faith. And so this is what's happening here. Even Jesus would have walked by him. But it's an ordinary day. Verse 2 tells us he's been lame since birth. And in verse 3, he sees Peter and John. And he's, he's a beggar. So he's asking them for money. He's, he's begging for money. And though he was lame since birth, it doesn't mean he was stupid either. Because people would be bringing money into the temple for their, for their offering. They would be bringing money with them. And in fact, some people thought they were more pious with the, the, the more money they would bring. So this man placed himself in a strategic location. So though he was lame, he was not stupid. 
he knew that chances are their pockets are full of money. And they're going to give me at least some. They'll give me at least some. Hey, Peter and John. He may be, who knew? He might have seen them walking with Jesus to the temple on another occasion. But, he, but he's getting their attention in verse 3. Amen. And he knew those people had money. And alms was basically, that word means mercy or pity. So it's a donation to the poor out of, out of pity or mercy. This is all he expected. And the Bible tells us in verse 4 that Peter and John fixed their eyes on him. So he's getting excited because finally I got somebody's attention. Come on, if you've ever walked on Queen Street, downtown Toronto... There, there are all kinds of different people who are vying for your attention. Some are shaking a can for money. Some are just talking out loud and you might want to cross to the other side. I don't know. Uh, but when someone actually stops and pays attention, they get excited. And so uh, this man gets excited. He thinks, oh, I got their attention. Uh, and he, the Bible tells us his expectation was what? Money. That's his expectation, and that's where the level of his expectation stopped. Money, money, and money. However, Peter and John are not going to offer him what he's asking for. They're going to give him something much, much better and far greater, which is they're going to fix the whole problem. Don't, why beg for money when Jesus can heal your feet and you can actually go out and earn money? You see the difference? So my prayer for us in, in the 9 to 5, for those of you who work, well, work with other people. You can work from home. You're still working. But work with other people, different people, or you encounter all kinds of different people. Don't just hear what the words that they're saying at face value. My prayer is through discernment, you would see through that to the actual need that people have. And this is a huge difference. See, all he wanted and asked for, his expectation was money. Do you have money? Give it to me. And Peter and John don't have the money on them. I mean, they could have got, gone back and probably found some to give him. But they knew that what he actually needed, this was the request they received. But what he actually needed was his healing. That's what he needed. And that's what they offered him. And here's the thing. It doesn't cost a dime. It doesn't cost a dime. It costs Jesus' life, but it's free. Healing is free. And this is the beautiful thing about the gospel. There is great hope in the message of Jesus. And so they, they discern what's about to happen. Let's, let me just look with you at verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently. So they were kind of saying, hey, we're gonna, we got something for you. So Peter said, look at us. The lame man, verse 5, looked up at them eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. So that could be very disappointing news to hear if you're the one begging for the money. Uh, but listen to the next phrase. But I'll give you what I have. I'll give you what I have. My question to you is not how much do you have in terms of possessions or money or resource to bless the poor. It's not a bad thing to do either. The Bible says, he who gives to the poor lends to God. And God faithfully gives back to us. 
But so it's not bad necessarily to give alms or to give money to the poor at all. You know what? Sometimes I say, well, are they really going to use it for good purposes or are they going to buy cigarettes? Or are they going to buy? And you know what? I've resigned. I've stopped thinking about that. I say, Lord, whatever they do with the money is between them and you. Your word says, he who lends or gives to the poor lends to God. I said, that's, that's good enough for me. So I will give sometimes. However, this is now my personal opinion coming through. It's not in the word. When I see someone smoking a cigarette and, and asking for money, I flat out don't even pay attention. Because if you're going to beg for money, at least be smart about it like this man. Be smart. Be smart. Don't, don't smoke a cigarette. That, the first sign it tells me, even though I might want to give, is you might just go buy another pack so that you could continue feeding that desire within you to smoke. So, but he who gives to the poor lends to God. So it's not bad to give, but in this case, Peter and John discerned what you really need is something we actually have. And if you could get that revelation this morning inside of your heart, bypass your mind even, but get it into your heart, you have something to offer people that they need. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And as a believer today, that's the best thing you can have to offer somebody, even if you say, I don't have money. The lame man in verse 5 looks at them, and he had, certain, he had a certain level of expectation. Again, he asked for money, so that is what he expected to receive. And what you expect to receive is directly related to what you are asking for. I want you to know that what you expect to receive is directly related to what you're asking for. So if you don't expect God to do something in your situation, perhaps it's because you're not asking him for the right thing. Perhaps Matthew 21, 22 says this, you can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. The opposite of that is if you don't ask him, well, you're not expecting to receive anything because you've never asked. So Mark eleven twenty four. I tell you, you can pray for anything, anything. But Lord, I've never seen someone healed yet. You can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Father, when I lay my hands on, on the sick people or on my coworker today at lunch, Lord, I'm asking, I've never seen it happen before through these hands, but Lord, I'm asking, would you do something? Would you heal them? Would you do something that I've never seen you do before? I just want to pause for a second and share with you. Some of you I've prayed for, I joke about it sometimes, but I, I have eczema on my hands. I can't tell you why. I know that it was only in winter, and for the last two years, it's been like all year long. And it gets pretty bad. I have to put cream and I have to wear gloves at night. And I look at my hands and I say, but why? Why, Lord? Like these are the hands as a pastor, as a believer, that I go and I lay my hands on people here at the altar, at the store, wherever, wherever I encounter people who want prayer. And I said, Lord, it's just a little weird that if they're saying, well, I have this sickness or this disease, like here comes my diseased hand towards their head perhaps and they just go oh and I said Lord I don't understand why I have to deal with this 
When I use my hands even to play drums, this is, I, I worship from the drums. This is, that's, you might, you might not see me jumping here, but put me in this cage and I'll be an animal <laughs> for Jesus. But, but the hands, again, they hurt. They hurt. I remember helping Priscilla give baths to the kids and I'm like, Lord, but it hurts. I have to wear gloves to give my kids bath now. It, it, I say, Lord, it doesn't make sense. And I felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit saying, okay, but will you stop praying for people? Will you stop asking and believing? And I said, absolutely not. Though I can't explain why my hands haven't been healed, I prayed last week for someone right here at the end of church who has eczema. And I said, I know it seems ironic because look at my hands, but I still believe. I just, I'm waiting for God to do it in me. But I'm, I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to believe that God, God can take eczema away. I believe it. If it has a name, the name of Jesus is greater than the name. It's the name above all names. I remember when I was in Bible school, uh, Jonathan Shuttlesworth, he's a, an evangelist. Uh, he's got a, a global ministry today. But his dorm room was right across from mine. And I remember I was a freshman in Bible school and I said, hey, um, my grandmother at the time was suffering from Alzheimer's. And, and I asked him, I said, hey, have you ever heard of someone being healed from Alzheimer's? Because I said, my grandmother has been diagnosed with that. And he said, it's not about whether I've heard of a story or not. He said, if it has a name, the name of Jesus is greater. And my grandmother still ended up dying years later. So it's not a testimony of her healing, but it's a, it's a truth of God's word. If it has a name, the name of Jesus is far supersedes the, any other name. It trumps it. It crushes it in Jesus' name. So when we pray, that's why at the, even for a meal, at the end of it, I don't just say, thank you for this food, amen. Because my wife did that once with our children. I said, no, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. Because that's where the authority is. So when we pray, it's in Jesus' name. I pray this morning that you're grabbing a hold of the spiritual truths of God's word as we talk on healing. So again, if you don't have it, maybe it's because you've never asked for it. This, uh, to sum up those two verses in Matthew and in Mark. John 14, 13 says, You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. So when we talk about healing, and let's just say you pray for someone and they're healed. There's nothing special about my hands or your hands. It's nothing at all. It's so he gets the glory. He's the healer, not me. He gets the glory. And so he asked for money in our story in Acts 3. That's what he expected. But God was about to deal with his actual problem, which was his inability. Is immobility also. So silver and gold I don't have. What we have, we give you. So if it always came down to money, I'm not too sure how many times we would be able to help people. If it always depended on money, I mean, I would run out of resource. But I'm thankful that I'll never run out of Jesus because there's always an overflow. Jesus is all you need to be a blessing to somebody today. So they say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And in Matthew 10, verse 1, it tells us that Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. So Jesus gave the disciples this authority, but now Jesus 
he was gone already. In Acts chapter 3, he already ascended to heaven. So they're alone. They're on their own to fulfill now the mission. And it continues. And I want you to know that this story in Acts 3, we started at the beginning of the sermon talking about Jesus, right? And his ministry. This book of Acts is a continuation of Jesus' ministry, now transferred to the disciples and the early church, translated to the church today, all the way to us today. And so he gave them that authority in Matthew 10.1. And in Matthew 10.8, it goes on to say, heal the sick, he's telling them, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Give as freely as you have received. And it's not necessarily talking about money. It's talking about the spiritual inheritance that you've received, the, the level of forgiveness that he's given you. You freely pour on others. Don't judge others because God didn't judge you. He forgave you of all your wrongdoings. Now you forgive others who might not know any better either. And you, what do you have to give them? Jesus, not judgment. You give them Jesus and the real Jesus. Don't water it down for people. Speak the truth in love. In Acts chapter 3, in our story, as we almost come to the, the close of it, Peter, in verse 7, extends his hand to the man. It's an act of encouragement to help this man boldly do what he is never able to do since birth, to stand up and to walk. His feet and ankle bones were instantly healed and strengthened. So God just didn't heal the feet and ankle bones, but he also strengthened those parts because there's muscle that's needed to stand up and walk, right? I'm looking at my son Nathan. He's seven months, and he's starting now to use those legs, and he can hold on. Sometimes he needs help, so he looks at me with a, a desperate look, and he starts crying. So I know, okay, his, his muscles are not able to support him yet. In this case, it's, we don't just see a healing take place. We see a miracle in that his muscles were never developed, but now they are fully developed because it tells us that he begins to stand up to walk, and he, he walks and he praises the Lord right into the temple, something he was never able to do before. And so I just need a volunteer. I need one volunteer. Ben, come here. Come on. Give him a hand as he comes. Because I want you to visualize this morning. I'm just going to take this and just move it here. Hopefully everyone can get a better view. Um, just get down on the ground. Pretend you don't know how to walk. Go for it. <laughs> so this is Ben. He's been lame since birth. And now, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Look at that. Ben, have you ever been able to do this before? So what's your reasonable response? Worship. Worship. The Bible says that walking and leaping and running and praising God, he went into the temple. So go back to your seat, running and leaping and praising God. Go for it. Running and leaping and praising. No, come back. We have to stay true to what's written in the word. So running, okay, you did that one well, leaping at a jump or two or five, and then praising God, like you were never able to do this before, okay. never, 
And now, for the first time, you're able to do it. Running, leaping, and jumping. Praising God. You got it. Leaping and jumping are, are synonyms. Go for it. Praise God. So Ben demonstrates for us what it might look like for someone who's never been able to get up and walk to all of a sudden, it's a miracle. There's a healing and a miracle that take place. And you see the praising God part in the Hebrew Old Testament, that word praise is tehillah. And tehillah in our English, let's translate it or transliterate it, crazy praise. Crazy praise. You might look at him and say, what a, what, why is he doing that in church? Like, what business does he have jumping off of the platform? That's where we preach and worship the Lord from. But to Ben, he's saying, I don't care. Because I once wasn't able to do what I can now do. And I don't care who looks at me. King David said, I'll become even more undignified than this for my king. And running and leaping and praising God, he goes into the temple. Let's, let's go into that scene for a second. There would have been thousands of people, estimated, at the temple for that time of prayer, for that prayer meeting. So it's not like just a few, just Peter and John and maybe a few others. Like every time he witnessed the people going in and they would have witnessed, who's this guy shaking his hand at me asking for alms, for some mercy money. Right? He receives his miracle, his healing from birth. He's never been able. So no one has ever seen this man walk, ever. And they're there, business as usual. It's the hour of prayer. And there's some disruption that happens. But it's a godly disruption. And this man comes in running and leaping, crazy praise all the way. Because he's been healed. And here's how we're going to end before I begin and we begin praying for healing today. I'll share some requests that I've received this week. And, and there might be people here today where this might be the moment where God is going to do something that we've never seen him do before in your life. And I'm praying and I'm believing. I come to church with expectation. God, this isn't just, we're not playing church. We are the church. And you've given us authority to lay our hands on the sick. Even my hands that sometimes dry up and hurt me a lot. But I'm going to lay my hands on whoever wants. And here's the beauty of this story. The beautiful thing. It has nothing really to do with Peter and John's ability. At all. At all. And at all. Look with me real quick. Um, when they see this, this is verses 9 to 11. I'll summarize it and then we'll read verse 12 together. Verses 9, 10, and 11. When they begin to see this man, they're like, wait a minute. Isn't that the guy that we've... It, and kind of like the murmur and the whispers all start. And they're like, yes, that's, that's him. And with awe and wonder, they're, they're amazed. They're floored because they never believed that they would ever see this man in the temple. They only saw him at the gate called Beautiful. So there's this amazing thing. They're astounded, the New Living Translation says. And I love how verse 12 tells us, Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. And I want you to pay particular attention 
to what he says because I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes and listen to what he says. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, he said, what is so surprising about this? And why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or godliness? So wait a minute. God will use me. People will see signs and wonders. But I, at the end of the day, I'm still Jonathan. And you're still you. And there's nothing special about my, my rough hands today. Nothing at all. And so don't stand in awe of a man. Sure, there's gift of healing. And I believe in that. There are people who operate strongly in those prophetic gifts and in those miraculous gifts. And we, we ought to see them in the church. But we ought to never give the praise to man because it goes to him alone. And this is the purpose of verse 12. Peter is saying, why are you looking at us as if we are special or we are more godly than you? Or it's our own power. And then jump to verse 16 because this is the follow-up answer. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And it goes on to say, and you know how crippled he was. Because he couldn't walk since birth. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. So through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. How was he healed? Through faith in the name of Jesus. So what it's showing us is all we need is a measure of faith. And we've already discovered in God's word, it says to each has been given a measure of faith. I submit this to you and then we're going to pray. There's enough faith in you to see healing happen. You've been given a measure of faith and that measure of faith is enough to see it happen. And this morning, I pray that your faith is stirred. One more quote, and then I'm going to share some requests. And we're going to open up these altars for prayer. T.L. Osborne, in his book, Healing the Sick, the one I referenced earlier, said, Wherever and whenever Jesus Christ is proclaimed as our sacrifice for sin and sickness, physical healing as well as spiritual salvation will result. And this is a man, like I said, in his whole ministry, God has used him in wonderful ways. And so some requests that I want to share with you today, as I invite you to stand to your feet. Sister Maloney is in the hospital and uh, spoke with her son during the week, and uh, she's having a a pacemaker put in. I believe that's what the son said. Uh, she hasn't been able to be with us often in church. But I remember our last service before we moved across the street into the school. She was the last one here at the altar kneeling. If you were here for that service, she was thanking God for the faithfulness throughout all the years uh, at being at Weston. So she's in the hospital. And uh, I believe, if my memory serves me right, it was with congenital heart failure is what she's diagnosed with. Same thing that my grandfather now has been diagnosed with. Um, the one of, I said my grandmother died when the day Nathan was born. 
So now my grandfather is apparently has six months to live. And then uh, this is one that's close to my heart as well. Is uh, during the week, Alex and Matt just wave at me right here. Um, called me and asked that as a church we pray. So how old's your brother? He's 30 years old and uh, cancer is eating away at, at one of his legs. And they just discovered this on Easter weekend. And so, uh, you know, phone calls, they help. They encourage people. Um, but what I would really expect to see happen is God show up with power in a way that would we wouldn't expect, but we have to expect because we have faith. That he is the God of the impossible. And here's the thing. Those are just a few known requests and for physical healing, for sick bodies. But I want you to know that you could have a broken past and you could be messed up in your mind. And, and just one touch from Jesus, you can be forever changed, forever changed. And so we are here today, and it would be real easy for me to just open up the altar. And I think I said I would, but I, I just feel led, to, based on the word we've all heard today, that if you are here, and it might not be you personally, but it could be you here standing in the gap for someone who needs healing, here's what we're going to do. You're going to raise your hand, and if you're a believer in this house, in this place today, and you have faith in God's word that he can do this, what I'm going to ask, and it'll disrupt the flow of the ordinary as we would close a service, but I'm going to ask that you would get out of your seat and go and find those people with their hands up and that you would pray a prayer of faith over them. Because the reason is we're putting the word straight away into practice. It's very easy to call the pastor to call me or to call a deacon and say, oh, pastor, I don't know what we're going to do. I can tell you, you know, obviously I love you so much that I probably would get in the car and show up. But when we understand God's word, you don't need someone else in the room. You already have the one and his name is Jesus. And all you have to do is begin to ask and to call on his name in Jesus name. And so today, I'm going to first ask, if you're here, either you need physical or emotional, any type of healing, that you would slip your hand real high. And I'm not saying close your eyes because people are going to come around you nice and high, straight up, as high as you can. And don't put it down. And now I want everyone else around who has faith, because without faith, it's impossible to please God, let alone expect for healing. So with faith, you go around... And, and you surround these people. I don't want anyone with a hand up to, to have no one around them. I want the church to surround you with prayer today as we believe for healing. So go. We're going to take about five minutes or so. No one leaving this place because I believe God wants to do things that we've never seen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.